everyone. Welcome to the Hardware Crew. Uh, thanks for the support on the last couple of podcasts. We had some really good feedback. Um, we've got Jamie, Harry, and Jim on the podcast today. Hi, guys. Um, G'day. Yeah, well, today we're talking about um, social media for your business um, and general e-commerce as well. So we've got Jim here from Image Direct down in Gippsland to come have a chat. Um, Jim, do you want to just give us a bit of a brief about yourself? We're a, um, well, we're based in Cherrogan in Gippsland. We've been a digital agency for 12 years. We're a Google partner, Facebook agency, Shopify partner, and Apple developer. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's what we do. Yeah, cool. As. Yeah, well, it's a couple of the informa- some of the information that we've found is that the, due to the pandemic, um, the digital world moved forward six to eight years that like, they, they didn't expect us to be to, at this sort of case until sort of 2026. So it's, we've seen it really important in the hardware industry to jump onto social media. Um, what have you sort of seen at your end, Jim? Absolutely. Um, unfortunately, it's just been a big mad panic. Um, people who had it, all their stuff together at the start um, have done really, really well. Um, people who haven't um are struggling and people who are um reticent or you know scared or what have you have reservations about doing it are way further behind so the kind of yeah that's that fits in with what you're saying about you know 2026 is here with us now yeah okay yeah so if someone's got like no presence at all or very very basic presence on social media google all those sort of platforms Yep. What do you feel is the best tip for them to get into it? Well, you're going to hear me say this quite a bit today, and that is start simple, get sophisticated. Don't jump into all the difficult, sophisticated stuff. You're just going to get lost. It's just going to be a nightmare. Yeah, just get get everything down as a plan. Find yourself a digital consultant, really, really important. Uh, and get them to at least help you map a plan out. Then from that, you decide where you want to go. Um, that's, yeah, I mean, everything, just if you're looking for a particular product or, or something, um, everything should start with a Google My Business listing. If you've got nothing else, absolutely nothing else, you need a GMB, you need a Google My Business listing, and they're free. Yeah, yeah, and it's obviously important too that uh, with Google obviously shows you your trading hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Google, linking Google Shopping and everything like that as well. So it's obviously a very important step. I was actually going to say for those who have very little sort of online presence at all or online knowledge specifically, Google My Business is how businesses pop up on Google Maps and show when you Google a business or Google something that you're after is where it pops up in the first few results of a Google search. That's it. Um, Google, Google My Business um, originally had its roots in Google's attempt to take on Facebook, um, but it, it, it evolved over time, and now it's just basically Google has given up on people building a decent website and getting their act together <laughs> and said, look, at the very least, how about, and it's, it's called the NAP analysis, name, address, phone number. So you don't need to be spending tens of thousands of dollars on a website or a thousand dollars a month with some SEO, SEM guru agency 
to start with. You just need to make sure your name, address, and phone number is correct on the internet. It's effectively the, just the new yellow pages. Absolutely. But, and some. Mm. Um, yeah. And specifically for um, a business that has a local um, uh, cashman area, definitely Google My Business Listings. And did I say they were free? Because <laughs> yeah, they're free. <laughs> you might need a pilot's license to fly them, but they're free. Yeah, they can be a bit of a nightmare to navigate if you got a like a if there's one there already to try. You and- can do it wrong, and a and a big thing that happens with Google My Business listings is that um, other agencies come along and sell you some advertising package or some SEO package or um, something else, you know, or some a booking service, and then they set the Google My Business listing up for you. They own it. You never have control of it, the whole thing. But that's what you would do um, if you had absolutely nothing. Just check where you, what your name, address, and phone number are across the whole internet if you can, in all the different places where it could be. And uh, make sure it's the same and consistent. Um, we're talking about Google My Business listing. If you've got that right, you'll also have Android phone instructions right. So when you ask an Android phone... Um, for directions, it'll take you. But it won't help Siri. Um, it, it will help Siri to some extent, but then you've got to set yourself up on Apple Maps. Oh, really? I never actually Yeah, set yourself up yeah, on yeah, Apple yeah. Maps, and then Siri will know where to, where to send you. Well, that's um, There's actually, there's about, we do nap, anal- nap analysis for our clients, and we check 32 different databases. Really? Um, see, BMW have a database for their GPS systems in their cars. Mercedes-Benz have one in theirs. Um, they're all different. Um, there's uh, sensors. Sensors has different details to you. You get that all in a row and get it all sorted. I, I say get all the ducks in a row. Um, that's half the battle. Uh, the tagline for my business is get found in the noise. We deal with noise every day. That's noise. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so back to, like, so once you've sort of got your Google sort of my business all set up, which obviously you can manage all your, like it, it obviously prompts you for when your holiday hours and everything's coming up and everything like that. And obviously over COVID, it's been passing a lot of information to people. Yep. When you go into the social media side, like Facebook, Insta, TikTok, all those sorts of things, is there one someone should focus more on? Should they cover as both like Insta and Facebook and LinkedIn? Or is there a, a, a plan at all that's good for them to stick to? Or Yeah, so they have um, they have different uses for different audiences. Um I, my suggestion, like, you know, I would imagine most of your listeners are in the hardware industry, right? If not exclusively, um, I would definitely get the Google act sorted. And so, you know, Google, my business listing, maybe a basic website, something else and Facebook and then grow from there. The difference between Instagram and Facebook is Instagram is pretty much a video and um, photo sharing, um, service, uh, or platform. Um, Facebook's the whole gamut. Um, it, you used to be able to say Google was the place of people searching for a product or service, and that's what it was all about, searches, whereas Facebook was all about audiences. But you know how they say Fords are starting to look like Holden's, Holden's starting to look like Fords? There's the same thing with Facebook and, and Google. You can pretty much get some of that granular penetration with your marketing efforts equally on both. So to answer your question, get your Google Act together. Absolutely, 96% of the search market in Australia is Google. And then have a look at Facebook and then grow from there. 
Uh, well, I'll just go back to that. So to answer your question, Andy, um, get your Google Act together. That can start with something as simple as your Google My Business listing uh, and then um, have a look at Facebook. Uh, but that's for somebody that's starting with nothing. That you're going to have people who've got something. Regardless of what you've got, take audit it. Take Get a digital consultant or if you, you know what you're doing yourself, just do a full list of everything you've got. You'd be amazed at what's out there. There'll be some, you know, domain that somebody registered years ago and everyone's lost track of it and someone's paying for a hosting plan for somewhere else and, yeah, it'll it'll be a mess for sure. I, th- I think it's obviously important too once you go to start a social media to have some sort of branding plan and, and, and what you want to focus on in, in, in the back of your mind when you do that. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely map all that out before you, you start uh, jumping into it. Whatever you do... And whoever you go to for the help, they've got to be able to say, and you've got to be able to ask, if I do this, if I give you this money and you do these services or I set up these um, digital assets, what do I get out of it in measurable terms? Doesn't matter what it is, it's got to come back to you in some sort of measurable term. And that's the best thing about like Google and all the social media advertising is you get analytics and insights into all your posts so you can actually see what works. Absolutely. And it needs to be connected to your desired business outcomes. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll just give you some sort of report and start throwing terminology at you and everyone, and let's face it, everyone's busy. So you'll go, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, all right, well, here's another thousand bucks. I hope it's all working. Yes, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> yeah, so you don't want that. That's that's actually that's criminal. I I see that all the time, and it's really really annoying. Well, it's so easy to use those big jargon words, like even just saying SEO and stuff like that. People's might like eyes just glaze over. Yeah, and and there's the reality too. It's search engine optimization. It's not search engine guarantee. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the real tricky bit. But regardless. Whatever you're paying for, whoever's doing it, they must be able to talk to you about how this fits in with your desired business outcomes and um, they need to be able to show it in some sort of trackable way. Simple as that. And here's the clincher though. The business owner needs to know what their desired business outcomes are. Yeah, and so many of them don't. Yeah, I want more sales. Yeah, this is. they're so used to like putting an ad in the paper on the radio and they're not getting those analytics back. So obviously using social media or digital marketing, you're going to get information back. So you want to make sure you're focusing it. Like if you want to hit between 30 and 40-year-olds, males, females, whatever you need to hit, which is such a, like it's such a powerful tool. So if someone's got a, a solid presence on social media already mm-hmm. and they're, they're kicking all those goals, they're starting to get traction, starting to build their community, what, what's that next step that you feel that they need to take? Like how about like implementing e-commerce like implementing e-commerce into your so social media platforms, how can people go about that? Okay, well, specifically for e-commerce, um, yeah, I'll, I'll jump to that. But just to repeat, it's exactly the same as what I just said for somebody that's got nothing um, or little as the person, it equally applies to the person who's got something. Um, they've still got to go back and do their nap analysis and, you know, reach out to a digital consultant to help them start, you know, look over all of this, make sure that the domains are owned by the right people and hosting and all of that, everything else I said. Um, yeah, 
Definitely with e-commerce. Um, now, with your industry, you know, there's obviously the big B and others um, that, you know, you in some places people would be putting themselves up against. What you're better to do with your products is look for those products that you know that you are going to sell well online and 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 put those up. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a whole 10,000 lines of, of, um, of product up on the internet, but you can, um, look for those, um, main ones that you believe that are going to do well, um, and put them up and see how it goes. Half of it's your own confidence. Half of it is just having a look at it, um, and getting your teeth into it and being comfortable with what it's doing. Because, you know, at the moment, I mean, the biggest thing about COVID is, is the anxiety that comes from the unknown. You know, come along and ask a business owner for some more unknown and it's just, just going to be more anxiety. Absolutely. Um, so have a look at your e-commerce um, options there. E-commerce, you know, it goes without saying. I can give you some indications. It's when we, we build a lot of um, e- uh, e-commerce setups. We've got 400 websites under our belt over 12 years. And... Um, it takes 11 to 13 minutes to set up one product. At our hourly rate, that's $16.50 for one, one product. You've got 1,000 products, you're looking at fifteen dollars to $20,000 worth of effort. So um, you've got to make sure that you know, all of those bases are covered um, with regards to setting up a product. Just, it's no good just putting up a name and a description. The reason for that you need to put up more than just a name and a description is that when people do a search on Google, they search with words. I say this in a very half comic way. They don't search with mental telepathy. They don't search with images, although you can. They search with words. So if you don't have those words that they're using in searches sitting on your website, they're not going to find you. Simple as that. What's really cool is if you look at the big B, they don't do it. It's a laborious thing. So if you want, if you want to get in under the radar, you and do some really detailed um, descriptions of your products, you can, you, know, you can get in there at the top. Jeremy, did you because you've done some e-commerce recently yourself? Like, do you have some points put in for that? I was actually going to say, I think that's where having a very specific expertise in an industry really helps with those meta keywords, um, mm-hmm. because somebody that's just going through for the big B or something like that isn't necessarily going to know exactly when this product is used, how it's used, what it's used for. It, they're just, as far as they're concerned, they're just relaying information off a data sheet and putting it on their website. Um, a smaller business, somebody that's more in touch with the industry will have an idea on how to market a product with those sort of keywords and those descriptions to show up higher. People aren't going, people don't regularly search, that people do search for brands and exact descriptions at times, but it's certainly not an all the time thing. And it's not something that you should bank on them doing to be able to find a product that you're offering. Yeah, we've got a, um, we've got a client, um, one of our clients, they're an international client, not your industry at all. They're in the weight loss industry. They sell protein powder shakes to so you lose weight. And they only have about 22 products. But in their UK market alone, they, we record 27,000 different keywords and keyword phrases that their customers are using to find them on Google. It's crazy. 
Um, so I guess I I was still working with my parents' company when they moved over from a older, very out of date Magento website and a completely separate point of sales program in Optimizer or Paxsoft, which is still used very commonly in the hardware industry. Um, it, oh, really? it was a, it's a sporting goods business, and we made the total shift to Shopify and Shopify point of sales a little while ago. Mm-hmm. The difference that we have in how easy the website is to navigate, and the website, the old website itself was Magento is a fantastic tool, but it is an incredibly complex beast to learn, and it's you almost need your own web guy or your own IT guy just to manage and to set up a Magento website. It it probably has the greatest functionality and usability of any website when it's set up for a Nike, but when it's a smaller hands-on company where you just don't have the funds or the accessibility to use Magento to its fullest extent, it almost becomes a little bit cumbersome. Shopify is amazing. The database of Shopify is very flat. Mm. And so, you know, Google searches can basically come in at, 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 at the whole surface rather than trying to find its way down a, st- a tree structure. Yeah. Which, yep. which has its own um, complexities when it comes to development. I yep. should. We're talking about Shopify. You know there's a digital adaptation grant that you can get from the Victorian government at the moment that you can use towards a Shopify website of $1,200. Just keep in mind, if people are looking at that, that um, Shopify 2, so there's a whole new platform in Shopify that's, recently just been launched and just about to take off. That is 35% faster on mobile phones. So people could be jumping into an existing Shopify setup at the moment only to find out in February next year that some of the functionalities will stop working. Mm. So I guess in a sense e-commerce is the future, but mm-hmm. mobile app and mobile searching is the future of the future to an extent as well. It's... I said, I think you'll find that Shopify, something like 70 to 80% of traffic and 60 to 70% of sales on Shopify around the world is done on the mobile phone. So if your website, yep. again, is hard to use on the phone, it's you're, you know, you're behind several steps already. There's a really interesting stat um, that's going around in Shopify partners at the moment. You need 1,804 visits to your Shopify website your new Shopify website, to get your first 10 sales. That's a lot of visits. So technically, you could have a 1,000 people visit your website and think, wow, this is fantastic, but huh, no sales? Yeah, but it, it takes off after that. Well, I've got clients with Shopify websites that are number one in Google in Australia. Um, and, and when you say number one in Google, what does that mean? Like, Oh, so that means it, anyone can put their business name in and get on number one in Google. By the way, all those crony agencies that say we'll get you to number one on Google, yeah, of course they will because they'll get your business name there. No one else is searching your business. No one else is searching another business. They're searching your business. Of course you're going to get found. <laughs> um, you want to get found for, and I, I checked this before, Timber Supplies Trelgan. Guess what? You're number two in Google for Timber Supplies Trelgan. Um, you're number one on the Google Maps, um, you know, so, you know, Trail Gunnage Hardware. So, but n- number one on Google is you work out what your desired business outcomes are, what you want to get found for, and then 
that's how you work out whether your website's being successful on Google or not. You won't be on the top of Google for absolutely everything. You can't. It's it's limited real estate on a screen. So obviously part of that is um, Google AdWords. Yes. And, and, and that's what obviously helps get you to the to the top of the search engine. Mm-hmm. What what in what is Google AdWords to dumb it down for people? Like how do they work? Like what 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 are you paying money for with Google AdWords? Um, so you're predetermining those things that you want to get found for on Google. Just great segue from what I just said. And you they've got to be connected to your desired business outcomes. And then you go into you put those keywords in and you've got advertisements to back it up. Basically that's it. Then Google Put your ads up for when somebody searches for those terms or things that are related to it. Depending on how many other businesses are also doing that for that particular moment in time, for that particular geographic area, for that particular targeting, Google, there there is then a potential cost per click. You still don't get charged anything unless somebody clicks on it. When somebody clicks on it, that becomes a cost per click. And that Uh, cost per click, is that like a set rate or is it like an auction or how is that? It's an auction. Yeah. So the more competitors there are that also want, they're also going for that same thing at that same point in time in that same area with that same targeting, the more it's going to cost you. Now, here's another thing that impacts the cost. And that is the underlying website that the person actually ends up on. If that's a mess and it's all over the place, then Google will charge you more. And it might be only 20% more and nobody will never notice the difference. They're going, oh, well, we're paying $2 a click and, or $2.40 a click instead of $2. Oh, what's 40 cents? Yeah, but you add that up over thousands of um, clicks in a year, that's a lot of money. Is that neatness and kind of structure of the website you're talking about, is that indexing or is that something else? Yeah, it's indexing. So it's like if you imagine I, I write for magazines and articles and stuff, and I, I love putting this image of two different shelves. You've got a shelf for jeans where the shop owner supposedly is just throwing everything on a shelf, right? Like kind of like what I got on the back there. <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least they're all nice and neat. They're, they're not in colours and stuff because I actually read them. <laughs> And then you've got somebody else who just comes along and just throws crap everywhere. They've got girls' jeans on one shelf and guys mixed up with it. It's all over the place. There are websites like that. If a shopper presents themselves standing in front of that shelf and they see it all nice and neat, it's easier for them to take their jeans off the shelf, go to the register and pay for it. It's the same with online. And Google doesn't give a rat's about you. Google doesn't give a rat's about me. Google's there to serve the searcher. So if you're delivering up this crap to the searcher all the time, of course Google's, Google's going to take their money off you. If you're stupid enough to do the Google ads with all that un- lying underneath, they'll take your money off you, but they'll just charge you more. Yeah, okay. So the, tying into that with Google AdWords is obviously you've got social media boosting mm-hmm. and ad campaigns. Yep. What are they compared to each other? Which is a better option? Is boosting relevant anymore? Yeah, well, um, so... Uh, boosting is uh, gives gives you a chance to um, boost out to different audiences that generally have a a connection to your Facebook page. You're right; they are they are different. Uh, they are getting more similar. With regards to advertisements, though, it's obviously for a boost, the post itself has to go on to your Facebook page. With advertising, it doesn't. So. 
I would use both. I te- for my clients, I tend to use boosting of posts for local audience and local catchments. I use advertising for things that are more spread out, the larger catchment, but also the real smart stuff that you can do in Facebook, such as customized audiences and, you know, lookalike audiences are amazing, you know, and the power that you can achieve with that. Yeah, I used to use obviously like more advertisement through the business platform of Facebook, not so much a Facebook mm. page because it's obviously a lot easier. Um, I would use it for like brand awareness campaigns, mm-hmm. um, something that you're trying to generate more traffic to your page or you. and when I used to have a post that started to build traction, that's when I sort of used to boost that because it's obviously the right content that people are interested in. I, I don't know if that's the wrong way or the right way. I just felt I don't know if there is a right way to Drew. Well, that, that's true. And I said before about Holden's looking like Ford's, Ford's looking like Holden's. Um, it's it's true with regards to how you go about your search engine marketing efforts and your, your social media um, advertising. The, the important thing is to know what your, and I've said this before, you need to know what your desired business outcomes are. You need to have a way of seeing where your efforts are actually improving or not, some sort of form, whether it's analytics or not. And um, the ultimate is to have... I want something to happen. Here's some money and some effort into a platform. And here's the measurable outcome. And in most cases, it's a sale. That process can happen. You can chuck a heap of stuff in Facebook, throw some pixels in there, set up your conversion tracking, whatever. And you can see that what I do here ends up in this many sales at my website. You know, while we're on the topic of posting on Facebook, if you're going to post something on Facebook, ask for the sale. Like, you know, hey, check this new product out. Buy it now. And here's a link to it on my website. And, and Facebook and, and Instagram, they're making it so easy now because you can tag those products when you do a post and type Correct. right into your website or into whatever platform you got to set up that yep. e-commerce as well, which is making it easier and easier. Obviously, the hard part with our industry is a lot of ugly freight. So, freight's the hardest one. So, that's one people have to think about before they do anything. Yeah. So, I was talking about, um, you know, don't put your whole, um, all your all your price, all your items, line items yeah, uh, on an e-commerce. Don't put a sheet of plaster and then try and work out how to deliver it to WA. <laughs> yeah. Start, start with the easy to sell, easy to stock, easy to supply, easy to freight. Start with those. Yeah. And obviously, niche products are that other people aren't doing so much as well is obviously important to find to try and be those sort of those ones that lead people to your website. So obviously, it's hard to find these days, but it obviously helps. Yeah, so, um, you know, um, one thing I really like about Trelgan H Hardware is that it's all about quality mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that's quality is easy to sell. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Um, in, in marketing terms, but also just, you know, across the counter. Um, I've still got my Birch Meyer spray bottles. Yeah, yeah the good ones. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I could have gone to the big B and got really crappy, you know, $2, $5 options. But, you know, these these have lasted me, like, forever. I mean, here it is, here. <laughs> Birch Meyer. It's very random that um, you got it on your desk, I'm just saying. Oh, it's because I've got my orchids. <laughs> I spray me orchids. My orchids oh, are just sure. here on the windowsill. <laughs> so quality is easy to sell. Yeah. And, you know, and the right sourced quality um, also has good profit margins on it. True. So. Well, you're not getting, re- you're not getting that return on that product. Like, as, like they're not bringing it back. So especially with e-commerce, you, you don't want to try and manage product returns because they're not happy with it or 
or it's damaged or something like that. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, you're going to know your own business. If something traditionally always just has a, a, a high return rate on it, don't put it on your online store. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, the cool thing here is with, with digital, you are the master of your universe. Yeah. Of the digital you are. It's, it's you know, it's awesome. It's, I think it's worth almost mentioning. Now, I'm the main website that I've sort of developed and worked with was a sporting goods business with kind of sports products specifically and we generally find you can't upload every product we can upload everything to our website but we couldn't upload everything to our facebook and instagram it was Mm -hmm. in our sense it was worth uploading the coolest stuff the shoes the player equipment the the stuff that people are going to be scrolling their facebook and think gee that looks cool or that looks really useful, or that looks good sort of thing. It wasn't necessarily the stuff that more appealed to, in our specific case, clubs and organisations because they're not generally the ones looking for themselves on a Friday night scrolling through Facebook. And I think that's that can almost be relayed back to the hardware industry in the sense that maybe DIY is a good place to start advertising your products on Facebook and Instagram, stuff that, you know, stuff that a tradie can use but also stuff that, a mum who really doesn't have much, you know, experience doing anything sort of on a work site could also say, gee, that looks like fun, I might have a go. And, you know, she becomes a DIY warrior like the rest of us. It's always worth, to an extent, compartmentalising to start and just working your way up from there. And that's why it's important also to think about seasonal products when, yep. when, you, when you're doing your posts because that's obviously people are going to be, obviously it's spring right now, people are going to be going through looking for their sugarcane mulch or something like that. So obviously sugarcane, you can't really do e-commerce, but trying to make sure when you do a post, structuring it to be relevant to the time you're in with spring or if there's something on TV at that time that you can sort of tie into if it's a block or something, it's important to think about the market. That's a really good thing. Um, There's a thing that we do with our clients called the Easy Peasy Social Media Plan. Now, it needs a new name, (laughs) but um, it is what it, it sounds like. And what we do is we say to our clients, we say, just anoint each month with a flavor just for the sake of just keeping some sanity around this, just have each month a flavor. Now, if that's too much for you, then break the year into quarters and just have a new a flavor for each three months, whatever works for you, whatever, you, whatever capacity you can deal with. And then... Work out what frequency that you are prepared to post on Facebook. And if you can seriously only do one thing per week, then it's one thing per week. Don't jump, you know, Sid, start simple, get sophisticated. Don't jump into one every day or or what have you. If you can, great. But if you map out your flavors in advance, you know when your sugar cane mulch is coming in. You know when it's going to take off, you know, start a spring, all that sort of thing. So you can start then planning ahead on what your posts are going to be. And that's why it's so good because you can obviously schedule posts as well quite easily now through social media. Like, yeah, well, So you can um, do sit there on a Sunday or whatever at night, yep. get everything ready for the next month even. Correct. Or you might have a university student or something that wants to come along and, and do, a, um, you know, an internship or something. You say, well, great, okay, I need you to do some research on for the next six months. Um, this is these are the products I want to highlight. You know, set them up with a Canva account. Jeez, Canva is so easy to use. Yeah. And um, you know, 
get them to do it. I mean, another thing that's important with your easy peasy social media plan is to identify digital talent. Yeah. Now, that does not mean you hand over the reins of your entire Facebook campaign to the snotty-nosed little 17-year-old that comes in and works behind a counter on a, on a Saturday morning. And that's what my parents did with me. But. <laughs> <laughs> but by all means, get them to do it, but you approve it. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Because yeah. you've got to, like we talked at the very start, you've got to think about what your brand is for your, for your social media and you've got to make sure you stay on point with that, that it doesn't become a joke page or people just taking photos of like a, a dump stand or something. Like that's all part of it, but you don't want to become a, a cheap-looking shop as well, you, unless that's part of your brand, obviously. So you've got to think about whatever you're posting has to be relevant to your market and your business image. One of the marketing objectives behind the easy-peasy social media plan and having a flavour is so that Say, for example, okay, let's use sugarcane mulch for the month of October. Then each post that you do and your frequency might be twice a week and that's going to be sugarcane mulch related or mulching or vegetable garden related. So is the post that you're going to do on your Google My Business listing. So is the, um, the advertising that you might do. If an opportunity comes along and there's a bargain of the century to throw some little ad in the local paper and... Instead, you're just saying, oh, I don't know. You go, great, okay, what's what's October's flavour? Great, we'll do that. And then what happens is the phenomenon of where a person has to be touched so many times before they make a buying decision is allowed to happen. Yep. Otherwise, they're just being bombarded in the local catchment area with all these random messages. Yeah. Um, just a couple, like talking about structuring posts, like um, obviously we talked about branding and everything like that, but mm-hmm. I, I th- a thing that I feel not a lot of people do very well is hashtagging a post. Would, yep. Could you explain to people what a hashtag is? It's got its origins way back when, when people were just trying to get information from the internet. Like, you know, they were just trying to sort of capture what was out there. So, you know, a hash plus something else could be found um, on the internet. It's actually the basis of Bitcoin. And other things, it's just, (laughs) sorry? So that's a bit random. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, that hash, that's, it's it's bits of stuff out there. Yeah. So then that developed further and and then it became a a case of, it's basically, it's tagging. Yeah. It obviously helps you when you're doing searching in like Instagram or social media. Like you've got hashtag hardware or hardware Australia or hardware store or something like that. Obviously, then when people type hardware into social media, it's going to help find those tags on posts. Well, yeah, it's going to help them, but also um, it helps the bots. Yeah. Um, the auto- the automated um, stuff, the artificial, that's, you know, backed up with artificial intelligence and machine learning. And it helps the algorithms to work out what it is that you're about. Because it's very easy for the algorithms to read that. Is there like a simple way or is there a research tool or something to to work out what hashtags you need for your business? Yeah. So what you can do is there's hashtag generators. Um, You just Google hashtag generators and there's a whole heap of them and you you just punch in a term and then it'll um, spit them out. But do try to limit your use of, of hashtags as well. Be specific with them if you can. By all means, use it to back up your branding, but don't overuse them. Don't you know, 20 or 30 hashtags. I mean, what the? Yeah, see people sometimes post with hashtags and then they do another post below it with more hashtags and it's just like, 
Yeah, and that's because the platform's not letting them squeeze it all in in the one thing. Yeah. Mixing it up is important too, obviously, to try and hit that larger base. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I think there has to be a balance between a consistent typeface and a consistent way you display yourself on social media while also not getting boring. It's mm-hmm. There's no point posting one product with a white background, the same sort of web product that you would show on your website on Facebook every day. In my experience, we've always found that when we were posting photos in our shop of the product itself, it got a lot more reactions and a lot more likes on Facebook than a stock image that you would get off your supplier's website. And it's, I think it's a physical thing. I think it's part of a connection thing for people that are looking in, you know, it's not they don't think they're suddenly in your store, but it feels it's more real. It, yeah, it's organic. Yeah, it's organic. Having, I, I always tell people to make sure they use their staff as well, mm. especially if they've got younger mm. staff too because you're obviously going to tap into their friendship bases as well. They go, oh, sweet, that was Andy in that post. So it is definitely important because it shows that human side of, of a store. Like obviously little short videos are wicked mm. as well. And and we are in the hardware industry, so we will, we're allowed to have a humour as well. So, And, Jamie, you said a really good thing. You said, look, it, it ended up with more engagement and more likes. So you're actually measuring what it's doing. That's really, really important because what we say to clients is they go, you know, they'll come to us and they'll say similar questions to what you just asked. And I'll say, I'll say to them, does it work? They have no idea. Okay, keep doing it. Or does it work? No, don't do it. Does it work? I don't know. Get to know. Yeah. Um, Really important because if it doesn't work, don't do Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. How are you going to know if it's working? You measure it. And, and that just takes time too because you've got to, not without bombarding, you just got to test the waters in different areas and just see what works for your business and your community as well. Yeah, I, um, I sell three, six, and 12-month uh, social media campaign management packages and Google advertising packages. You know, people say, oh, I just want to try it out for a month or so. And I'll say, well, it's not going to work. The Google algorithm and the Facebook algorithm, they work on 14-day cycles. You ge- generally, you're meant to leave things alone to let the algorithms um, do their thing. So really, there's only two tweaks in a month, and then you've got to give it a couple of months. And, you know, people, oh, and I just say, look, just look at the um, practicalities of the, the laws of business. If somebody comes to you and says, I want one Birchmeyer spray bottle, you're going to give them one deal, you know, okay, there you go, that's the price, pay me. But if you go to them and say, hey, I want to buy one of these on the hour every hour for the next three months, you go, oh, okay, cool. Let's let Now we're talking, let, I'll do you a deal. That's the same with Google and cost per clicks. Oh, I didn't try that. It was 20 bucks a cost per click. Yeah, but if you had planned it all out, mapped it all out and ran it for three months, it would have come down to about two bucks. Because well, obviously the first month is capturing the data that you need to see what your audience is as well. Mm-hmm. And that... And that because obviously Facebook and all that sort of stuff give you analytics of mm-hmm. what gender base, what age base, what are they using Instagram more, are they using the phone more than the computer, what time of day and everything. So that's what you can't get from other advertising tools and why it's so important to our market right now. To make- yeah, a minimum is three months. Yeah, I would agree with that massively because then you can tweak it and then measure again. But you, only, it, you need to be able to, like the longer is obviously going to be way better because you can really dial in. Yeah, um, you know, we've got long-term Google Ads clients and, you know, I know in very competitive markets, you know, one client, a local client, Trelvin, 
started out, the cost per click, that was service provider. Cost per click was $20 to $23 cost per click. That was seven years ago. Now it's, a, for with us, it's $1.80, $1.90. New service providers still get hit with the 20 bucks, but um, some longevity certainly helps with cost control. Yeah. So, Jim, your expertise is presumably Shopify in terms of e-commerce? Yeah, so we only do two. We build um, WooCommerce and Shopify. That's it. Um, as far as e-commerce sites go, yeah. Could you? Do you think you'd be able to give us a rundown on the sort of costs associated with a Shopify plan, the Shopify point of sales? Uh, I know from experience the apps that you sort of eventually slowly <laughs> work towards getting as you, you know, this, the whole start simple gets sophisticated. Um, yes. As well as the sort of rough costs on an SEO program and at what point you think that sort of it's worth outsourcing social media or your search engine activities? Okay, so I'll answer the last question first. Um, The question of outsourcing is how good you are at managing your energy. There is so much information available now. It's not really a case of knowledge. It's more a case of energy and business owners listening to this podcast will certainly be able to relate to the energy thing. I'm sure business owners do not mind doing the hard hours, but when you're exhausted from the hard hours, it's pretty hard. So consider that if the, you know, if how important or how you're able to manage the energy. So if it's a situation where, you know, this is just, just too much for you, outsource it. Absolutely. As long as you've got those accountable elements in it, and definitely make sure that you know what your desired business outcomes are and that there's going to be a system in place where you can measure what's happening and how that's related to your desired business outcomes. So that's the question around outsourcing or not. So with e-commerce websites, so with a Shopify website, we're based in countryside. So we certainly don't have the overheads that big city agencies do. So we like to consider ourselves quite cost effective in that regard. For a typical small to medium-sized business, the conversation um, starts around the eight to $9,000 mark for a Shopify website, a little more for an e-commerce website. Uh, for, not for an e-commerce, a WooCommerce website. That being because Shopify is a little easier to deal with, the results that you get from the Shopify tend to ramp up a little quicker. Having said that, WooCommerce has a lot more flexibility from the developer point of view for complex setups. Then what decides how much from from that is the number of products. I said I alluded to it before. I mean, if you've got it's about 11 to 13 minutes that we can get a, a product ready. So that's getting all the images ready, getting all the metadata ready, making sure you know weights, measures, the whole lot all, that's what goes into a product. So basically, it's a case of the more products, the more it's going to cost. It's with regards to um, social media management and um, Google Ads management, again, it, um, it depends on what the, the size of the project is. But for a typical monthly setup for, say, Google Ads um, campaign management, we charge $2.97 per month, and that sets um, a client up with a decent Google Ads program. And the hidden costs, because the hidden costs are all the cleanup that I alluded to earlier in this chat. It's it's just it's incredible. We we go into scenarios and they've got a Google Analytics account, but nobody knows 
what, who's got access to it or if it's working or not. Some other company owns the Google My Business listing. The NAP analysis, the name, address, phone numbers, everything's different on every single database. All those ancillary extras really add up. Swinging back to Shopify, you're talking about the apps in Shopify. It's kind of like every corner you look around in Shopify is an extra 30 bucks a month. It's, yeah, the, the app market in Shopify is amazing from a developer point of view. The speed at which you can ramp up um, functionalities and get them going is, is awesome. Don't discount the, all the native functions of Shopify, though. Um, classic example is, you know, page builder. I want to have a great big fancy page builder and I'll install PageFly and do this. Oh, it's only 40 bucks a month or what have you. But the native page builder is fine. You know, just you need a few headings, you need a chunk of writing, and you need a few images to go with it. I'm actually, I completely agree with that. The native, and as well with the where you can move all the blocks and the sliders on your homepage, that sort of thing. It's all incredibly easy to use. I I came from next to no knowledge in Shopify, and I reckon I watched a five minute YouTube video, and I was changing our homepage like it was nothing when I was still mm. with my parents' business. So. So um, to give you some examples, the um, Shopify um, can expand across to Facebook yep. um, as a Facebook shop. Um, it took um, one of our team 30 minutes with the client to do it this week <laughs> for one of our clients. Having said that, I'm talking about, you know, the scary stuff where people forget who's got ownership of what and who the admin and everything else. We just completed a one and a half year project of getting access to a client's Facebook page. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I laughed about it and, and we finally got it sorted. And that's just for the record with COVID, all the support centres around the world, they're in countries that are way more impacted than us and things take, uh, take longer to get sorted through Google support and Facebook support. Keep that in mind. I think it's also worth noting the hardware industry has all types of people in it and that's, people with next to no IT background and people with expert IT backgrounds. And just for the record, Facebook and Instagram are effectively almost the same thing. You can Facebook, so you need a Facebook account and an Instagram account and you can link them as a business mm -hmm. and you can post a photo on Instagram and when you go to post it, it will say automatically upload to Facebook as well and effectively you've mm -hmm. posted twice. And that goes the same when you're talking with a Shopify interactive shop if you have a product on facebook it's also on instagram and it's able to be tagged in a photo on instagram yeah so um shopify operates on a series of sales channels is what it calls them and you get all the ducks in a row right on those and um, they're very easy to impl implement you can literally put hundreds of products on google overnight mm -hmm. as long as you've got all the other stuff in place first of course our Google site originally didn't let us because it didn't have a refunds policy on the homepage. It's little things yeah. like that. It's it's very easy to fix though. But Shopify says, you don't have a refund policy. Would you like to use this template? Yes. Oh, you don't have a, a um, privacy policy. Would you like to use this template? Yes. Then you do all that. Then it gets in and it says, the, the bot actually says, we notice it's not in the footer of your website. Would you like us to place it into the footer of your website? Yes. It does a lot of work. It, it does. It's an amazingly easy thing to use, even for those that aren't so tech inclined. It's, you don't need to know HTML. You don't need to know how to code anything for a basic to a, even to a semi-advanced website. You really don't need a whole lot of 
expertise once you get it set up by you know that gym. It, it's prob it's probably worth mentioning that um, with the um, Victorian state government um, digital adaptation grant of twelve hundred dollars towards the Shopify website, agencies get cut out of that unfortunately. So we we earn twenty percent of the monthly fees that our Shopify customers pay to Shopify. That's how we maintain support mm -hmm. to, to customers. Mm -hmm. Under the digital adaptation pro, uh, grant, they deal directly with Shopify and partners don't, partners get cut out of that. So there would be extra fees in an environment like that if you're to approach a, a, a Shopify partner mm -hmm. or agency. That's unfortunate. That's awesome. We're coming sort of pretty close to the end. Just I've got a couple of final questions for you, Jim. Um, again, sort of about social media. And the first one's like, how do you grow and engage your community, which is pretty hard one to get done quickly? It's work out some milestones first. You won't find this in any sort of Facebook guide or anything, but about 450 likes is when Facebook starts taking your page seriously. It's, it's quite obvious. I mean, if you've only got three likes on your page, you've got a problem. Yeah. yeah, so work out some milestones and work towards the milestones and measure what's happening. So if you're posting material and you notice people taking their likes off, unliking you, then you, that material is going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Well, I, th I found a couple of good ways too was obviously communicate to you, your community. Like, like yep. make sure you engage. And actually your narrative is actually speaking to them. Yeah. You know, we here as part of the blah, 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 um, whatever it is. The other thing is with advertising, just quickly on Facebook with regards to lookalike audiences, you can use lookalike audiences to fill in gaps in your local catchment area. What do I mean by that? With lookalike audiences, it's a special type of audience in Facebook where you can get your customer list, tip it into Facebook and say to Facebook, go off in these local postcodes and look for people who are like these people. So that's a way of growing local audience. It's really powerful stuff. I found a bit of a cheats way as well. As I, there's ways of searching large social media accounts in your area of local businesses. Yep. And I started doing community engagement with them. So whether it was doing a giveaways or something like that, like share this page, tag them in it sort of thing. And so I found that was a good way of growing your community as well. When you're tapping into someone who's already got an excellent base, obviously that's similar to your market. It normally mm -hmm. helps. So I found that was a good way of doing it as well. Um, another quick question, sort of to get close to wrap us up. What's the difference between stories, posts, and reels, which is obviously starting to grow a lot more with Instagram more than anything? Yeah, so they're all similar. They all describe a situation of, uh, of an, usually of an event of some sort, so i.e. a story. I don't think, just so you know, I don't think that whole way of communicating has settled down yet. By that I mean there's, you know, the... The whole um, thing of the future is um, video. Yeah. And, you know, and we've seen TikTok go crazy and, you know, YouTube just goes from strength to strength. And then you, you have these things like what, what um, you know, your, your Facebook and Insta and the like. So they're all, they're all very similar. I would actually pick a platform that you're happy with if you want to put material up on in that area and play with it for want of a better description. You've got your mainstays, which are Google and Facebook, and because Insta, Insta um, comes along with Facebook, and you know, go for that. Maybe even Messenger too. But as to the other platforms, I consider them advanced, 
outside of these areas. Um, it's not to say that they're more premium or anything like that, but I'm just thinking of business owners. You know, all of my clients are small to medium-sized enterprises. We have a handful of government clients as well, but it's back to that energy thing. It's like, where, where's my energy best spent? Yep. Um, and for the record, if you've got video material, put it on Facebook, uh, put it on YouTube and link it over in Facebook. Yep. The reason for that is because YouTube is the second most used search engine after Google and Google Google owns it. Yeah. And obviously in our industry too, everyone's like searching on how to build a letterbox or build a deck or something like that. So if you can Mm -hmm. tap into those networks, it's definitely a good one. Yep, absolutely. And do your Google advertising over on the cost per click in in YouTube is way less. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, Thank you very much, Jim. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, They were able to talk through that all. Thank you very much, everyone. This is our first time doing a Zoom sort of style podcast thanks to lockdowns. So hopefully it, um, it worked out pretty good. But thank you again. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Harry. I just really wanted to, to say quickly, um, Shopify's total revenue in 2020 was 86% higher than Shopify's total revenue in 2019, as in all their shops online. The best time to build a website was mm. probably five years ago, but the second best time is now, effectively. The uh, the future is digital. <laughs> and it's funny, my age, people a couple of years older than me are probably the first generation to really have had a mobile phone for the vast majority of their lives. And we're, to an extent, less likely to pick up a phone and call somebody. So if it's not on the internet, you're missing out on a lot of people under the age of, say, 29, 30 as well. It's just that's the way that we are. We're weird, I know. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks. Have a good one, everyone. Cheers. Thank you.